0: One can deny we're seeing unprecedented levels of cyber attacks across all industries and sectors. From IT enterprises to operational technology and healthcare, there's no reason why building automation should be left out of the discussion. With such a fragmented sector, with so many vendors and contractors working within one environment and with connectivity increasing, it only makes sense buildings are potential low-hanging fruit for would-be attackers. While I think most everybody in the world is aware of cybersecurity issues, the lack of a solid and robust building automation security program can result in damage to a facility and its occupants, and or act as a pivot point for attackers to go after the building's tenants. Hello, my name is Greg Hale, and welcome to another Today with ISS Source podcast. With us is Hugh Lindsay, solution architect, cybersecure buildings at Schneider Electric, and Gary Leibowitz, director of Americas at OT security provider Clarity. And we're going to talk about the value of cybersecurity for buildings. Hugh and Gary, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Great. All right, great. Hugh, let's. Let me start with you. We're, as I said, we're seeing an unprecedented rise in attacks across all industries and sectors. Do organizations grasp the importance of cybersecurity across the building automation enterprise?
1: That's a great question place to start. And I guess I would say that if, if we're kind of keeping this conversation focused on on buildings, and of course there are many different buildings types, this part of the digitized world is is a bit of a laggard. So we, we've got customers in the, the hotel space and hospitals and commercial office buildings and even in data centers. And increasingly we're finding that some of the best practices or the, the amount of investment into protecting those building control systems is pretty low relative to the global investment, I guess you could say. So I think there's there's a, an increasing awareness. There's an increasing angst, if you will. There are, of course, the increasing attacks and, and lots of payouts that are getting publicized. But we're just now starting to see that translate into taking the topic more seriously and, and putting in proper steps to uh, try to mitigate the issues.
0: Now, are you finding within the, the building automation sector that You know, because we've seen this in other areas, you know, once they start creating a cyber program, they can easily become overwhelmed with the enormity of the endeavor. I mean, are you finding that sometimes is the issue within that area?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think it's it's pretty common now that if we were to consider the IT side of an enterprise, every of the large customers that we work with have plans in place or they have at least have a, a blueprint for moving forward. But then as we move into the more critical infrastructure side, it's it's a triage. So they're certainly developing roadmaps, but starting with what they believe to be the most critical or the most at-risk systems, and then progressively working through that until they get to the point where some of the building control systems are considered. And I, th- I think that's kind of coupled with the idea that there is a lot of kind of domain expertise on the IT side as it relates to the industry overall but that same expertise on the OT side is a bit of a mystery different protocols different network architectures more fragile systems in some cases because if you make too many changes to the network that's operating the building you can you cripple Certain subsystems. So uh, there's kind of a, a risk within a risk. There's the risk of being attacked, and then there's the risk of of implementing protections that that cripple the network. And then there's also the uh, kind of increasing risk of of cost through it all.
0: Now, uh, Gary, as as more devices end up deployed within the building space, that that increase connectivity between previously isolated areas, like you know, the OT sector and building management and their IT areas. Are you seeing a growth in
2: attacks within the building's infrastructure? Yes, unfortunate, but yes. You know, I've worked just recently on a number of incidents that, especially concerning ransomware within smart building spaces, many times these aren't necessarily targeted attacks, but rather drive-bys because Now, suddenly a lot of these systems are connected, the openness of networks within smart buildings, targeted attacks still are relatively rare, but when they happen and are successful, they're extremely painful, but the drive-bys can also be just as destructive.
0: And you mentioned
2: ransomware. I mean, what kind of
0: attacks are you seeing? Is ransomware, you know, everybody's talking about ransomware today, like, you know, everybody's being hit by it. But are you seeing that as being the predominant kind of attack or are there other types of malware or or physical security attacks or, you know, even as like a supply chain thing? I mean, and then on top of that, you know, on top of what attacks are you seeing, you know, how are the bad guys getting in?
2: Yeah, great question. And what's interesting that we're seeing is since the building automation space, at the end of the day, it's technology and and technology for automation, for optimization, uh, for making things easier, more accessible, less expensive to run and so on. We're seeing pretty much the same type of attacks that we're seeing elsewhere from a cyber perspective. A lot of ransomware, various other malware of sorts, malicious bots. uh, they're, They're very common be seen within building systems like IP surveillance cameras and the likes. There are just very many ways of getting in. And some examples that are popping up and being a bit more popular within building automation have to do with third parties, contractors and the likes, as well as misconfigured uh, systems. So for third parties, an example would be, let's say a third party that has an SLA that they need to meet on certain type of equipment that they're responsible for, those types of folks, you know, a good example would be, let's say, an HVAC system. Those types of companies, many times, in order to be able to meet or exceed their SLAs, will do some level of external connectivity or remote connectivity so that they can be the first to know if there's any outages or disruptions within the equipment they're responsible for. Question is, was that coordinated with the building management, with the folks that, manage the building network was are they using best practices on the way that uh and policies and the way that the remote connectivity works and and truthfully from what we're seeing that's rarely done and many times that is the exposure of where bad actors can get in from a misconfiguration perspective think about things like printers or other common networking equipment that would be found around smart building networks many of these are, Connected to the networks using default user ID passwords. Many of the Wi-Fi's aren't locked down, or they have guest connectivity that isn't defined based on certain policies. So, I mean, we re- need re- to remember smart buildings are advanced technology environments. They have many systems and many potential entrance points for the bad guys. When we, when we talk, Hugh, um, let me ask you: When we talk about building automation,
0: just what areas? suffer from attacks and what can happen as a result of these uh, attacks?
1: Yeah, uh, all of them, (laughs) anything digital, at least. I mean, if you kind of think about the core systems, there are probably, you know, six or eight potential core systems, it would be areas of attack and then potentially dozens of, of ancillary systems. So if you think about electrical distribution, for example, um, which has been increasingly digitizing and will increase in its digitalization over time. That's really what operates the building. If there is some kind of uh, occurrence, some some incident on the electrical distribution system, that could be a life safety issue. It, it's certainly a business and, and mission critical issue. But you've also got things like air quality. So HVAC systems are frequently controlling not just the movement of air and the temperature and comfort, but also the quality of the air, removing of carbon, management of volatile organic compounds, and that kind of thing. A compromised system there could, again, have kind of Life safety impacts. You've got things like the access control, access control, and, and security camera areas. Those things are really there to protect the business IP. And attacks in those systems can, at worst, or at best, confuse the system. But at worst, lead to um, lost uh, records or or compromised uh, employee records. If those those kind of systems are connected, um, you've got the the elevators. You've got any of the you know the, just the common network components. It's it's all over the place. So it can range anywhere from annoying to very costly for something like a ransomware, all the way to, um, you know, manipulated equipment that gets run to failure and then needs to be replaced. So physical equipment can ultimately be an uh, outcome of the attack.
0: Now, we, Hugh, I'm just going to add on to that one second yeah. here. Uh, have you seen within the building space, I mean, have you seen any kinds of um, attacks happening there? specifically focused on on buildings i know that gary had said before that you know there's a lot of there isn't necessarily targeted attacks as much as there are like drive-by types of things have you seen anything like that
1: i i would say that the attacks are getting
0: more sophisticated
1: again i kind of agree it's scary that the buildings are so poorly protected that they're easy targets. And if you're depending on what your mission is for the attack, if it's financial or if it's something more malicious, I think that kind of drives the rest of the attack. so if your if your goal is to get ransomware installed and and to get paid, then certainly buildings are a great target, <laughs> unfortunately, but given the uh, the legacy systems that are operating in there that are frequently, so out of date that they they're not even being patched or maintained but there are more dramatic as i mentioned some some physical equipment attacks where the the level of sophistication of the attacker is high enough that they they understand that if you you run a variable speed drive at its highest speed for too long you will eventually burn that motor out Mm -hmm. so we're getting there i think
0: okay and gary with, within the building automation sector, it's it's not a one-size-fits-all world. Uh, and as I had mentioned earlier, in fact, uh, the facility managers oversee hundreds of vendors, service contractors, technicians in, in a fragmented manner. And from my perspective, the more fragmented it is, the more risk and potential cracks are open for attackers to, to hit. With everything they're working on every day, it seems they're treading water at best. I mean, what can they do to become more proactive versus reactive?
2: Yeah, that's a great pivot going from talking about all of the dangers and why this is a big issue over to, so what can we do about it? So the reality is there are many different vendors and there are many different contractors and there are very fragmented processes and and so on so so what can we do about it and there's a lot that we can do about it so a number of uh, actions that are truthfully meaningful and not really too difficult to do they can have a huge impact on protecting smart buildings for example let's start off with something as simple as education education's huge got to make sure that all people whether they be employees whether they be contractors third parties tenants that they're all aware of cyber dangers You can do that in simple things like having posters put up or sending out email updates or including within email updates that are sent out, commented to on cyber. Just once again, to get focused on the topic and get people to think about it so that they don't make mistakes and they don't have slips, even if intentions are good, like examples that we gave earlier. And you can even get into full training sessions and just mentioning whatever relevant. The next thing to really focus on a lot is network segmentation. There's a lot of critical technology systems that are connected with other areas of the network that they have no business being connected to. There's no reason to have an HVAC system, to have smart elevators, to have uh, other parts of the uh, smart building, uh, cogen, and so on to be connected to the network that has access to the internet in general or email or other types of more low hanging fruit to compromise systems. So network segmentation is a very key exercise. And once again, that it does take a little bit more effort and and investment, but a a huge reward on doing proper network segmentation. Making sure that you have an accurate and up-to-date asset inventory. What type of technology assets are connected? It's interesting that most buildings don't know what assets they all have connected. And being able to be proactive on managing vulnerabilities, the first thing that you would do is have to have a full and detailed asset inventory to do that. And the reason why that's so important is because drive-bys will typically look for low-hanging fruit, something that's misconfigured, something that hasn't been patched, and getting access to those types of assets and breaking into or entering the the, uh, network that way. Real-time system monitoring, being able to be alerted on any type of suspect activity that's going on—surprisingly, so very few smart buildings or building automation systems have that in place today. It's amazing and pretty scary how many smart buildings have one or none of the above that I just mentioned in place today. That is interesting. Now, let me shift a little bit.
0: You know, with with the global shortage of 2.7 million skilled cybersecurity workers across the the globe, according to uh, the 2021 ISC2 cybersecurity workforce study. And in the same study, they're talking about 60% of the respondents said cybersecurity staffing shortage is placing their organizations at risk. You know, what is the status uh, of building automation security compared to some of the other sectors?
2: Well, first of all, those types of rare people do exist. You're talking on the phone with some, but there are people that really do know the building automation cybersecurity space and know it well, but it's true that there just aren't enough. And that's true for OT in general and within building automation in particular. But there is a need, an absolute need, as you correctly are bringing up, to bridge that gap and bridge it as soon as possible. But the main challenge, I believe, is around awareness that something needs to be done. Because we've seen this with many other tasks at hand. Once the focus and prioritization is given to the topic, it, it can be addressed. So within smart buildings, it is critical infrastructure. We need to realize and act accordingly. And there are lots of people that understand building automation, getting them more aware on the cyber and cyber threat perspective, or vice versa, cybersecurity experts, and get them more aware of the specifics within building automation is a very achievable task. It just needs to be, you know, folks need to pull their sleeves up and start getting the work on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Gary, I'm gonna add on to that. Do you see, where does the technology come into play versus, you know, we talk about humans and the process being, you know, part of that three-legged stool with technology, but. Where is the ability of the technology, is that kind of
2: growing in importance compared to the other two parts of the stool? It is, absolutely. And and that's something that, once again, does assist both in the solution as well as magnifying the problem. So the more technology, the more advancement, the more opportunity to, to use that to address for good but also the more exposure if it's being neglected, not being uh, addressed accordingly. Hugh,
0: are you seeing a movement to where all sectors in one area uh, of security, like IT, OT, or building management systems, are they beginning to fall under one holistic security umbrella or is it still kind of like a stovepipe area and and that holistic umbrella is just so far off in the future?
1: Great question. I mean, I I think that current best practice is that they're still separate, that the, the IT network is managed separately from any of the control system networks. But I think there is a glimmer. Uh, I think there is some movement to the combination of those two so that we don't need to continue to draw the distinction because ultimately IT, OT, Internet of Things, even physical security, access control, um, all of these things could be just combined into a single security domain if you will mm-hmm. to me buildings are, are kind of an interesting place for that to happen as a convergence because they can be operated through one basically centralized security ops center
0: and are are you seeing any of that today
1: minimally yeah so we we've had some examples with uh, some of the customers they're working with where they want some kind of combination of the surveillance at least the their their security cameras combined with knowledge of what's happening on the access control side combined with you know scanning and and watching the network where the tools are in place to kind of identify if there's any correlation between those those things but it's mm-hmm. but it's early days i would say
0: Okay. Now, uh, I had mentioned earlier about uh, potentially using the building system as a pivot point to get within other parts of an organization. Are, are you seeing that attackers are using the building side? Because we had mentioned that w- security in, in this area is, is somewhat weak at points. So are, is this a good initial entry point to pivot to other parts of an organization?
1: Um, it, it can be, and and there have been um, well-publicized cases in the past. Uh, Target was one well-known one, where uh, it was an HVAC system that was breached, that led to access to a corporate network, that then led to the theft of, of millions of credit card records. So uh, certainly. That's a possibility. That could be the ambition. If if the tar- the uh, attacks become more targeted, less drive-by, and more well, how do we how do we use this in to get elsewhere? But it all relates back to the kind of building that you're looking at, the kind of industry we're in. So if you're you're thinking about healthcare, for example, access to things like patient health records would have significant impacts, probably well beyond the initial ransomware or whatever or whatever the attack model was for hotels, office buildings, retail. It would be things like custom data. It could be things like um, impacts to reputational damage. I mentioned that some of the cyber physical equipment damage that could be caused, increases to insurance costs. All these things are are kind of risks that go beyond just the attack itself, but can have significant impact.
0: Okay. Now, uh, actually, this is a question for both of you. And it's, you know, I always uh, put it in every discussion I have is, our listeners are looking for, you know, they want to hear about the issue and that's fine, but they also want to learn about what they can do or what are some of the best practices they can use to stop attacks from occurring or at least slow them down so they can become as resilient as possible. So, uh, so I'm, and I know, Gary, you had mentioned a few things before, but I mean, do you and Hugh have a list or some kind of best practices that we can uh, jot down?
2: Yeah, well, I'll start and then I'll I'll leave the last word for Hugh. I did mention a number of things earlier, anywhere from, you know, starting with education and network segmentation and asset inventory so that known vulnerabilities can be proactively addressed. And then, of course, real-time system monitoring so that if there is something underway that at least we can act upon it before true damage occurs. I mean, that's probably a good list, but I'll give a more high-level generalistic response to that. I think it's really important that we start looking at cybersecurity in building automation, same as or similar as we look at safety. Building safety approaches over the years have reached truly amazing and impressive levels, and the attention and prioritization towards that is what got us to that point. Cybersecurity for building automation systems not only can it have a financial and reputational impact, but it can also result in direct impact on human life. And based on that, a strong recommendation would be, let's let's get cybersecurity within building automation prioritized accordingly, and which would be a very effective first step.
1: Yeah, and I, I can kind of back that up. I mean, I wrote a paper last year kind of on this exact topic that we really need to think about smart buildings within the enterprise cybersecurity strategy overall. So that means there needs to be the same level of attention uh, to organizational governance. Um, like, are, is there somebody assigned in the, at the C level or at the board that is is gonna take on the responsibility for cybersecurity for, for buildings? Things like, Gary mentioned some of the standards, so IEC 62443 from an architecture perspective, certainly following things like NIST and, and uh, ISO 27000. Are, are kind of excellent frameworks to help simplify the, the complicated space that we talked about earlier, making sure you've got the right information. So Gary mentioned the asset inventories, that seems really basic, but the, the way building systems are put together, they're bought through partners, they're bought through distribution, they're kind of a mashup of things where nobody has a, a significant record of all the current attributes of the things that are connected. Of course, you've got to use the protective technologies, and Gary quite aptly uh, mentioned a number of those, including things like continuous threat detection. And then you've got to have incident response plans in place. I think what happens frequently in the buildings world is, is they're caught off guard. They they haven't put the protections in place, an attack happens. They don't quite know what to do. They maybe end up paying the ransomware, but they don't actually get around to eliminating the effects of the attack, and those can linger for very long amounts of time. So. That's those are my five points, I guess you could say.
0: Okay, all right. Well, thank you very much. And that's about all the time we have for today. So Hugh and Gary, uh, thanks for offering your insights on uh, securing building automation. Um, I think it's been incredibly informative. So uh, for Hugh and Gary, uh, that's Greg Hale saying thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.